0: Hey everybody! Come on in. Come on in and get comfortable. Uh, we're about to get started. I am excited to talk to you all today. Yeah, there is uh, a lot happening in the stock market that I think is worth uh, worth your time. Uh, it's worth us sort of figuring out what we uh, what we want to do and where the opportunities lie. So uh, go ahead and get comfortable, and um, uh, and we're gonna get started in one second here. How's everybody doing? I um, hope you all are doing well. Uh, yeah, I uh, we just finished our our day fifteen or sixteen our financial consciousness training. Some of you were there, and um, and so uh, on Tuesdays we do the portfolio power plays. So I had to bounce on out of that, but but anyway, um, uh, let's see. I hope your I hope your money is doing good. Let me see here. And the stock market's really having some interesting movement right now. Um, the Dow's down by two hundred. Points right now, which is uh not good, or but it's or it could be seen as an opportunity if you if you want to look at it that way. Uh, let's see. Veronica says hello. This is my second time here. Good to see you. And I see Aisha Verzi. Good to see you, Aisha. Uh, love Aisha. Taquana. Good to see you too. Good to see you. All right. Um. All right. So, uh, how are your stocks doing? I mean, how many of you are investing consistently, and how do you feel about where your stocks are right now? Do you feel like they are, um, that they're doing well, or do you feel like you're kind of struggling a little bit or, uh, kind of a mixed bag or what? Well, what's, what's your mindset right now? Um, and, uh, and so with that said, what I'll do is I'll kind of give you a sense of what I, um, uh, give me a second here of what I'm seeing in this market. So right now in this stock market, you have, um, you have some buying opportunities. Uh, if you go into the Black Business School, look under what Dr. Boyce is buying. Uh, you'll find some stocks in there that I, that I mentioned. Uh, let's see here. I see some, uh, Marie says, I'm struggling. Uh, Dave says, I'm playing the long game. James says, being consistent. I, uh, Darlene says, I feel like I'm doing well. I just need to become a little more aggressive in my investing. Okay, so so one thing about, um, th- about the market, just in case you want to know what the experts are saying, uh, most of the predictions for next year are very positive. Uh, most people are predicting that the primary driver of of improvements in stock prices this year is going to be the Fed, that the Federal Reserve as they start lowering interest rates, that's really going to create opportunities uh, in terms of you know in, in terms of um, uh, stocks just going up. Uh, also, the the energy around Bitcoin has been very positive. But what's interesting about Bitcoin, though, is that Bitcoin hasn't been moving in the direction that. A lot of people thought that it would like a lot of people thought that Bitcoin would be positively impacted by the announcement of the new Bitcoin uh, spot, Bitcoin ETF. And that just hasn't been the case. Uh, And uh, and so ultimately, what I would say is that this sort of uh, takes us to this 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 narrative of, of sort of like figuring out what's going on here. And so my argument would be that perhaps the reason Bitcoin hasn't gone up with the spot ETF is because, remember, investing in markets in general are what they call forward-looking indicators. And a forward-looking indicator means that it doesn't just react to stock prices and, and crypto prices and all that. They don't just react to what's happening right now. They react to news and information about what is going to be happening in the future, right? So so right now, it's not really that important. And that's why you see uh, this lack of sync between, You know, public announcements and stock prices. A lot of times, the reason that the asset may not react to a public announcement is because the asset's already reacted. The asset already reacted when it looked like the announcement was going to take place. So, uh, I so so I still think though, overall, Bitcoin is still a massive, massive, um, you know, massively good investment long term. I'm not saying that you should invest in Bitcoin. This is not investing advice. I want to make sure you're clear on that. But I will say to you that. Uh, every indicator that I see with Bitcoin literally just makes it almost like free money. It's like literally the, one of the easiest ways on earth to make money. And um, and I would encourage you to have some sort of piece of your portfolio in there. Again, not investing advice, but that's what, I, that's what I plan to do is consistently put money into Bitcoin. Now, if you have a question, by the way, you can put it in the Q&A section and I will answer your questions. And also, um, uh, you know, as I mentioned, as I look here, I see that the market is down a little bit. Uh, what's the big news here? Uh, let's see, uh, some news on Goldman Sachs, Burger King, uh, Congress announces the tax deal to extend, expand the tax, the child tax credit, uh, U S Supreme court snubs Epic games, legal battle with Apple. Uh, how do you, okay, let's see here. The U S economy has already seen 75% of the impact from fed hikes. Okay. So let's talk about this. So basically the, um, what, what, what this article is probably going to talk about. And I'm going to read some of this out loud is that when the Federal Reserve started increasing interest rates their number one goal was to slow down the economy. Their number one goal was to um was to basically you know make sure that the economy um you know was restricted enough so that you wouldn't have out of control inflation. So now that they believe that they've controlled inflation, they're starting to slow down their their hikes, which is great news for investors. But what happens with uh interest rate hikes is that there is a delayed effect there's um you know there there's sort of this uh delayed impact where basically they can increase interest rates in January but you may not feel it until the following January so a lot of people felt that that there would be a recession because they said well wait a minute you know you are um you're increasing interest rates and you're just doing this consistently because you're, you're increasing inflation's not going down. Then you increase some more inflation's not going down. You increase some more inflation's not going down. And so they felt that, that when the effects of this, of these rate hikes start kicking in, that that was really going to cause like a major economic downturn, right? That this is going to be a big issue. And so, uh, so that and that's still out there. That's still out there. Uh, don't think that, a recession cannot occur right don't think that we're, we're we're like free and clear from the possibility of having a recession because right now the verdict's still out uh was it campbell harvey at duke university did a he, he has a, a model campbell harvey is a smart guy i remember learning about campbell harvey reading his research papers when i was in grad school and campbell harvey has a model that predicts every single recession like for the last 50 years he could it, it predicted with 100 accuracy and he predicted that there would be an uh, be another recession and they so they had him on this show and they were like well professor harvey your model isn't working like there's no recession here what's going on and what he said made perfect sense he said in my model the average amount of lag time between you know these indicators and the recession is like 2 years or something and, or maybe it was like i don't know maybe it was 18 months or something but what he said was he said we haven't even hit that 18 let's say it's 18 months. He said we haven't hit even hit that 18 month mark yet. So so you haven't you're predicting the end of the basketball game when we're still at halftime. And he said also this was the average amount of time in the lag. This is the average. So the average means that half of the observations occurred after that 18 month mark and half occurred before approximately, right? So so he said and even if it doesn't happen after 18 months, it may happen after two years. It may be two and a half years. So so just know that there is a lot of concern that there could be a recession. There isn't much talk about recessions right now, uh, but that doesn't mean that it can't occur. So so what you might want to do is make hundred percent sure that you're just kind of ready for anything, that you're sort of mentally ready, financially ready. Uh, if your stocks have been doing really well, maybe you get some put options, you know, things like that. I think there was a stock. There was a stock that I that i liked um what was it uh heritage global hgbl hgbl i did some research and uh this stock heritage global uh somebody type the ticker symbol hgbl type it in the chat so other people can see it because what always happens is even if i say something like five times somebody will say what was the stock again so I need y'all's help with that. <laughs> so um, so anyway, HGBL, Heritage Global, that's one of the stocks I like. Uh, if you want to see the other stocks that I'll pick for the students, uh, you can go to drboycestocks.com, drboycestocks.com. There's um, there's plenty of stuff there. All right, so let's see. What's your opinion on day trading? Ask Veronica. Day trading is a hard way to make consistent money, in my opinion. Uh, it doesn't mean that money can't be made. Uh, I know day traders who do make money periodically, uh, but day trading is um, – Honestly, in academia, they kind of look at it almost like gambling, but I don't think it's, it's, it's I don't think it's that clear cut. And I don't want to be disrespectful to the day traders that I know. But I will say that uh, most of the academic research is not is not in support of day trading as a way to build consistent long term wealth. Uh, it, but but then again, it's like um, it's like if you look at people that are professional gamblers, you have professional gamblers that make good money professionally gambling and they, you know, they swear they have these great systems that uh, help them, you know, to make money and minimize risk and all that. Um, Most professional gamblers though, don't benefit from being professional gamblers. And then also there's a lot of volatility that comes with it where maybe as a professional gambler, you have some years where the money's really good. And then you have some times where the money's really bad. And, um, and, and and really I would say, if you're going to do day trading, if you pick a system, Chances are, if it's a good system, if it's a system that's reputable and people like it. First off, I wouldn't pay like thousands of dollars to join a day trading class. Be careful about some of these programs out here. They'll charge you five, ten thousand dollars or whatever. I, I'm not a fan of that because I unless you can really prove to me that this is really going to benefit me financially. And I, I mean, I'm talking about definitive proof then I'm not I'm not going to pay that kind of money because you can learn this stuff for a few hundred bucks. Um, but if you do it, if you get a system that's good. Chances are that that system is designed to minimize risk and maximize gains. So if you pick a system, stick with it, because the the discipline to stick with your process is what's going to keep you from having those calamities where you just lose an insane amount of money. Right, a lot of times when people get burned really bad in investing, or even even if even if you go to the high risk side, professional gambling. Professional gambling is a type of investing. It's just it's just what we in finance we refer to that as what you call risk seeking behavior, uh, which means that you are because you're risk seeking. The models basically say that you you're being inefficient with uh, with your investing process because actually the investors are not risks are not supposed to be risk seeking where they pay money to take extra risk. You're supposed to be somewhat not not completely risk averse, but at least you're supposed to be efficient in how you take risk. So it's like the difference between uh, taking a calculated risk versus taking a risk that you didn't have to take that literally, you know, could have catastrophic outcomes. Right. So like the difference between a person who says, you know, um, you know, I uh, I don't know. Let's see here. Um, I really need money for my family. And uh, I decided to sell some weed. Uh, because I needed to make the extra income and I made sure I only sold it to people that I know so that I would minimize my chances of getting busted. That could be defined as, a, as an efficient or or as a calculated risk. Like I took a calculated risk. I know the consequences I I you know I, I know what the maximum sentence is and and I, I chose to do this because I want to make sure I I have to get this extra money or whatever. And I'm okay with the trade-off. Uh risk seeking behavior is where somebody just says, I want to be a drug dealer because uh, rappers are cool, and they tell me drug dealing's great. Um, and I don't know anything about prison, but I heard it's pretty cool. Also, I want to sell like the h- hardest, heaviest drugs, and I want to sell them to as many people as possible so I can become the kingpin of Chicago. That's risk-seeking behavior, and that means basically you're taking more risk than you actually have to take in order to achieve the goal. But even if you take ethics out of the out of the equation, even being a drug dealer could be seen as a As a calculated risk or as an efficient use of risk, I would never be a drug dealer myself because I don't have to. But really, if you put somebody in a desperate enough situation where I've really got to make this money, I have no other choice. um, And and I'm not trying to make all the money. I just want to make, you know, enough to make sure my daughter can get her surgery. Well, then that you know, then I can almost understand those sorts of decisions, right? So, um, so that's why I would I would say that day trading is a problem because it's not the most efficient way to take on risk. Whereas, if you go to BlackWealthMasterPlan.com and you take a look at the five dollar a day plan, which by the way is totally free, doesn't cost you all anything, um, the five dollar a day plan is 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 based on efficient risk models. It's you know there is still a risk. You know, it, basically what it just says is that if you invest five the equivalent of five or ten dollars a day you know, your child can have hundreds of thousands of dollars by the time they're in their 20s. Very easy to do, but there's risk in that too, right? So risk is not a bad thing. Risk is something that you want, but it's something that you want to take on in a way that makes sense. Like, well, like maybe calories, right? There's some food you can eat where your calories are just bad calories. Like if I eat bags of chips and donuts and all that, those are not good calories. Whereas if I eat, if I'm eating fruits and vegetables and protein or whatever, those could be seen as good calories, right? So just think of risk in the same way. All right. So let's, um, Next question. Uh, would you recommend investing in the bond futures market? says Bayes. Um, I'm not a big fan of it, but you know, if that's your thing, then yeah, then you can study it and, and make it your thing. I don't see any reason. The reason you don't hear me talk much about the bond futures market is because I don't see when I think about building black wealth. I'm not necessarily seeing bond futures as, as a pathway to do that. Um, you know, now black at blackwealthmasterplan.com the $5 $10 a day plan, I see that as a clear pathway to building massive amounts of black wealth family by family. If if I could get, you know, a million families to do that and be consistent with it and disciplined with it, black wealth would go up by a trillion dollars in the generation, at least a couple trillion. Absolutely. All right, so let's see next question. Um okay, chat, okay, I see it in the chat Q&A. Okay. So if you have a question by the way, you can put it in the Q&A section and uh, ask it there. If you put it in the chat, I may or may not see it. So let me uh, let me pull up some um some more uh information here to help us understand what's going on with the economy, with the market. Now, um one thing I, I wanted to mention too is Apple. Uh I mentioned to you all that I think Apple is a good place to look uh for your next investment because Apple's struggling, right? Apple is um is having it's one of its worst starts to the year in like 40 years or something, right? Which goes back to the Steve job days, which is crazy. Um, And uh, let me, let me look at Apple stock price right now. Okay. It went down a little even further. All right. So I'm going to put this, I'm going to share my screen and show you Apple. And then I'm going to explain to you why I'm going to go buy a few shares of Apple. I'm going to literally buy them during this class. Like while we're talking, I'm literally going to go in and just buy some. All right. Um. So anyway, here is, uh, here's apples for Apple for the last five days. Okay. Pretty flat. The last month, though, you see it's gone down by 6%. Today, it's down by another 1.23%. If you go back six months, uh, it's it's dropped by 5% year to date, the start of the year, terrible. Uh, the last year, Apple stock has not been a pristine investment. I think it might turn green, though, if you go back, to, back a year. Let's see here. Okay, what's going on? Oh, there we go. It's green here. Um, and that green is not an impressive green because Apple is one of what they call the Magnificent Seven. The Magnificent Seven are seven big tech companies that are pretty much driving the entire S and P five hundred. You've got seven companies, you know, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Nvidia, and Facebook, and a couple others that are pretty much driving the entire stock market. So Apple is a member of the Magnificent Seven, but it's the weakest link of the Magnificent Seven right now. Um, and a lot of that is because the demand for iPhones isn't what it used to be. Um, Apple also hasn't really benefited from the AI boom the way people expect. Um, and also Apple's having some issues with with, with, with the, the, the diplomatic problems in China. A lot of people are concerned that Apple may struggle in terms of maintaining its ability to make money out of China. I think that's gonna get fixed this year. I, I really think um that Apple is going to figure out its problems. I think that they um they have some guns in their holster that they're gonna pull out in order to fix this stock issue. And I think they're gonna come back guns blazing. And also remember, if you if you were an investor in Apple in the last five years, you made a ton of money. Uh this is a great, a great company in terms of their ability to make money. And uh I believe that they're gonna pull out their AI play. They're going to make their AI moves uh, this year. I think that they're going to start uh, jumping into the AI space, but they're going to jump into it in a major, major way. I I suspect that they're going to release some amazing new product that uses AI in, in an extraordinary way. I know they've got their, what they call a wearable computer, which to me is just basically a headset that they're going to release. And I believe that when they put that out, It's going to have some capabilities that are extraordinary. And also, what was the other area that really got me going with Apple? Um, Gosh, what's it with the iPhone or something like like the thing with technology is that there's these really interesting technologies popping out. Like even holograms are starting to become a thing where um, anybody remember Willy Wonka and they had Wonka vision where uh, the person stood in front of the camera and then they would reappear on a desktop as like a tiny little person. Anybody remember that? Let me know if you saw the original Willy Wonka. And I I need to know this so that I know I'm not the only weirdo in the room. Um, yeah, so so they now have Wonka Vision. They have these holograms. Uh, the company, I can't remember the name of the company, crap. Proto. I think the company's called Proto. And uh, and so you can call your grandma and you you can stand in front of 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 a light and a camera and your grandma would see you in 3d like, and, and she could put you on the desk, like, like walk vision and you literally are, this your 3d self. You can move around and all that. And now they're even setting it up where you can do that with an iPhone. So you don't even need the little studio setup. You don't need the backdrop. The backdrop is pretty simple and all that. That's easy. But now they're saying you can even do that with an iPhone. Um, so I think that Apple is going to enter AI in a blockbuster way. Um, and I think that when they do that, they're going to do it in a way that boosts their stock price because Apple has specifically avoided using the term artificial intelligence in all of its earning calls. They, they never, they they always say machine learning. They never say artificial intelligence. Um, the other thing too with Apple is that they, um, oh, they, they also <laughs> with this new um, little headset thing, they don't call it like a VR headset. They refer to it as a wearable computer. And that, in their mind, I guess, makes them feel that it's justified to charge $3,500 for one of these. But what I really believe is happening is that they're starting the price high so that eventually when they drop the price by $1,000 or whatever, then people are going to flock and start buying these things. Uh, and uh, and I did a I saw a review by Marquez Brownlee, who's a really smart brother who does technology reviews. And, um, and he was talking about how amazing it is and stuff like that. And I, I mess around. I use a lot. My VR headset is literally sitting right over here. Let me tell you all this. If you're not into the VR stuff, I encourage you to give it a try. Oh my God. In fact, at some point, you know what I might do just for fun is I might like, do a class on VR and 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 welcome you all to meet me on V in the VR space because the stuff that they're doing now with um Virtual reality and augmented reality is pretty impressive. It's pretty amazing. So uh, I'm gonna keep researching on this. It may be another two years before I do anything or make any moves on this, but but I encourage you to pay attention to these developments. It's gonna be big. And so I just bought my Apple stock. I just bought ten shares at a $1, dollar at 183 dollars a piece. So if you want to know what Dr. Boyce is buying, that's what that's what he just bought. All right. So uh, anyway. Um, and by the way, uh, if you if you want to get profit alerts and stuff like that of when I find stocks that I like, just text the word STOCK to 87948. If you text STOCK to 87948, I'll send you that. I'll also send you our $5 a day investing plan. I'll send you uh, our training on how to make money without working, just all kinds of stuff that will help you. All right, Brenda, should I buy stock in my children's names or buy stock in my name and put it in a trust for my child? It's the latter, in my opinion. Uh, not investing advice, but I don't believe in putting things in the kids' names because kids are stupid. Um, they they become smart eventually, but they don't get smart till they're probably past the age of twenty five. Up until that point, they're stupid, and, and it's not their fault that they're stupid. Because I was stupid when I was young. It's because you're operating on a you know a fraction of a brain. Like your brain's not fully developed until you're twenty five. So um, I don't put anything in the kids' names that they can take away from me until I'm either too old to distribute it myself, or they're old enough that I know they're not going to waste all my hard work. You understand? So, so so here's the thing if you got the money sitting there and you're letting it grow um just let it grow right and and maybe you can tell them that you know yeah we got something for you but don't tell them the amounts don't give them details you don't have to do I don't think you should do that because I think that that's going to throw off their sense of financial responsibility uh you know like our my wife and I one of our biggest challenges with our children is getting them motivated to even care about money because they have they have everything they need you know a lot of you have kids like that a lot of you have kids. That did not grow up the way you grew up they don't know what it's like to struggle to you know eat a grilled cheese sandwich with no cheese and and do do all the crazy stuff we had some of us had to do to get by they're these little suburban kids who just kind of you know money's nothing but a thing and it's very easy to get what they want and so we had to find creative ways to motivate them uh, to understand the value of money and all that so one thing that i'm not doing is um i'm not letting them know how much money they have i'm not telling them anything I'm just going to let them go through life, let them stumble, let them fight, let them struggle. And then when they, when the struggle gets too hard, I'm going to step in and kind of provide a little bit of wind at their back. You are know, like, oh well, here's a thousand dollars to help you get over that hump, or here's two thousand dollars to do whatever, or here's some money to make your first down payment on the house because I want you to be a property owner or whatever. Or here, or you're getting married. Well, here's here's the money to pay for your wedding, and then also a little bit of something for the you know for the next stage in your life, right? I I think that that's a better approach than just having a bunch of money stacked up and your kid can just go in there and take it all and say screw you, it's my money. No, it's not your money. Like even even stuff like I, I I'm a, but I'm gonna tell you that's a personal bias right like I've never been that person who believes stuff like um like I'll see people that will get child support for their child and when the child support money comes in they give the money to the kid so, so you got this little nine year old walking around with five hundred dollars a month or a thousand dollars a month you know like, you know because it, 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 so the so maybe the mom says well it's his money so I make sure he, you know he gets his money I wouldn't do that. No, that, that money's to maintain the lifestyle for the child. No, some of that money has got to go to a rent bill, stuff like that, because the child, you know, he eats food. He needs a place to live. Right. So um, so I, I just kind of think that sort of processing what you give the kids, when you give it to them, uh, how you give it to them, how they view money, things like that. I think that's really important in terms of shaping them, because we really can't spoil our kids if we're working too hard for them. Uh, So I think trusts are a great way. To give you control. So you make yourself, you know, you, you make yourself the, um, uh, the, the, you know, the, the the grantor, the, you know, you create the trust and then you make yourself the trustee, you control the trust. And uh, I think that um, like a living revocable trust, I'm not a trust expert, but I believe that's what it, that's the one you'd want. Just go talk to a lawyer or a trust expert. They can set it up for you. And what will happen is the trust becomes an entity. So you're putting money into this thing, this entity. Imagine it like another member of the family. So you got this member of the family called a trust, but it's like an AI robot. So you control it. You Maybe you're the trustee. So you tell the robot what to do and all that. And the robot has specific instructions, though. Like If something happens to you, th- you know they give the money to the kid, but they give it to them in a certain way, right? So if I build, uh, and I, I just spent time in our financial consciousness training explaining the number one thing Black children need to be economically safe. It's the number one thing. This is the biggest thing you want for your kids, right? You ready? You ready? Let me know. Give me a yes if you're hearing this. Um, and, and I'm going to tell you the things the num- the what the things that are not the number one thing. Um, a good job is not the number one thing. A lot of us are raised, you know, like you work hard, go to school, get a good job. Education, that's not the number one thing. That's important. It's just not the number one thing. The number one thing to give a kid when they grow up is a capital base a capital base. What is a capital base? A capital base is just a bunch of resources and wealth that they can use to generate the income that they need in order to survive and pay bills. That's it. The reason that you go get a job is because someone has a capital base and you're able to extract income off of the capital base in order to pay your bills. If I get a job at Nike, I well, why can Nike hire me? Well, because they got a capital base. They have this big pile of resources, money basically, that they can use to um, to pay people, right? So I'm so I'm looking around. I'm looking for a job. What am I looking for? I'm looking for some place with a capital base. I'm looking for somebody, some institution that has a capital base. Harvard University has a fifty billion dollar capital base called an endowment that allows Harvard to function. Which, by the way, one day I'm going to do a podcast on Harvard because I don't understand how an institution with a $50 billion endowment it's going to be it's, it's still letting itself get controlled by these billionaire donors. Like um, the black president just got fired. I think that's really weird. You're not financially struggling. So why would you let people who control the purse strings tell you which professors to hire and which ones to fire? That's crazy. Right. You know, so, so it's almost like somebody who's acting like a slave, but there's no reason for them to be a slave. So they become kind of like this $40 million slave. Where you got you got plenty of money. Where you could easily say no, but for some reason you keep saying yes. What's what's wrong with you? Something has uh, happened psychologically that doesn't make any sense to me. Because that's why you want money, you want resources, so you can be financially free to make whatever decision you want to make. But if you're still acting like a slave, then you might as well be broke. You know, broke people, broke people. You know, they they do what they're told because if they don't do what they're told, they don't get to eat, they don't have a place to live, they don't have any money. But if you're wealthy. And this is, this is the problem with a lot of black celebrities. You got a lot of black celebrities that are worth $100 million who are still behaving like wealthy slaves. That makes no sense to me. But let's go back to the capital base. Why? This is the most important thing for your child to have. So the reason that jobs seem so important to us is because we want to be attached to some institution that has a capital base because that, that institution can then give us income that lets us fulfill our needs and pay our bills and be secure. If your child has their own capital base, so imagine if you are a parent or a grandparent that really loves your child, and you do things like the five dollar, ten dollar a day investing plan for your child, uh, blackwealthmasterplan.com. This is this is this is epic. I, I talk about it all the time because this is this is the game changer. And you uh, have invested ten dollars a day, or or which is uh, three hundred dollars a month, which is less than some people's cell phone bills. Uh, It's half the cost of the people pay for used cars now. Um, And you've done this consistently since that child's a baby. So by the time that child is 20, they have $200,000 liquid. By the time they're 30, they have half a million dollars liquid, roughly, give or take a few thousand dollars. Okay, nothing's guaranteed, but this is based on history. So now your 30 year old has half a million dollars in assets. And maybe, maybe for good measure, some of those assets have been used to buy some real estate. So they got maybe a little apartment building or some you know multi-family unit that's generating you know two three thousand dollars a month. And then, and then they've got uh, the rest of the money. Maybe they're selling stock options and generating twenty thousand a month selling stock options. That's better than a job. That's better than a job. That's better than a job. That's so much better than a job. I have to keep saying this. That's so much better than a job. Because these jobs, they'll pay you $5,000 a month. If you get out of college, you're not even going to make that much, but $4,000, $5,000 a month. Maybe if you're lucky, you make $10,000, $12,000 a month. Do you understand? Let me. I hope you. I hope you really get this when I'm explaining this to you. There are simple things you can do twenty years in advance. If you if you are a forward thinking person, simple things you could do that could easily put your child in a position where they could literally make twenty thousand dollars a month without having to even get up and go to work every day. That that if that blows your mind, then it should. It absolutely should. Let me let me show let me give you one second. Hold on. Let's do let's do an experiment. Let me show you. I'm, I can't I'm going to show you. I'm going to just tell you. If you go into uh, Robin Hood right now and um, let's see what would happen if we bought, say, let's say that let's say, for example, you have an obsession with, you know, Tesla and you buy you, you, you give your child half a million dollars in Tesla stock, which you shouldn't do, by the way, because you should be diversified. But let's pretend let's just make it easy. Okay, so Tesla stock is two hundred and twenty-one dollars. So if let's see, so half a million dollars might buy me, say, I don't know, uh, let's say, let's say three thousand shares of Tesla, which would actually cost six hundred and sixty-five thousand. But they have something in investing called margin, so you don't actually have to pay the full price. So let's say that you you say to your child, look, um, I love you, and uh, I wasn't a perfect parent, but uh, starting twenty years ago, I bought two shares of Tesla every couple of days or every week or every month or whatever. And now we have 3000 shares of Tesla. That's what I'm giving you. And you can use that to pay your bills. Do you know that like your child could literally get on their app right now, right at this moment and get, and go sell stock options on that Tesla stock and that, you know, that expired. Let's see what's today. Today is the 16th. That expire February 16th a month from now. And, uh, and the price is two twenty one let's say you pick a, a conservative strike price of say 245 they would make $5 per share for on these options that they sell so so i want you to do the math i want somebody to type in the chat if i sell my if, if my kid is selling these stock options for $5 a piece and they've got 3000 shares to sell options on this month how much money how much income would my child receive without working Yeah, $15,000 a month. So they're making as much money as a doctor at the age of 25 or 30 or whatever, never went to medical school, didn't have to spend long nights in the hospital, cutting open, you know, bloody bodies and working 14 hour shifts. They can literally stay in bed till 10 or 11 I mean, they got to find something to do now because they they need a sense of purpose. But a job isn't going to fulfill them the way it might normally because or if they pick a job, they're not going to pick it because of the money because they don't need the money now. This is straightforward. This is an easy play. This is and and, and the the, the thing is, so so that six hundred and sixty five thousand that it would cost to buy those three thousand shares of Tesla. Um, and I was being very conservative with that assessment. I could actually double that amount by picking the right stocks. That's what we do in the Prime program, by the way, DrBoycePrime.com. If you want to see what we do, we, this is what we talk about every week, DrBoycePrime.com. Feel free to take a look at that. Um, basically, $665,000 is, you know, that's that's not even an expensive multifamily unit. Like, you know, $665,000, some of y'all got houses that are worth that that amount. You know, it's not out of the question to go make an investment and buy a six hundred thousand dollar house. And so my point is to say that this is easy to do if you make a plan, if you do it well in advance. If you do it at the last minute and you try to come up with half a million dollars or whatever in 24 hours, yeah, that's hard to do. But if you give yourself 20 years, it's easy. It's very easy to do, very straightforward. So so the number one goal that I have for people that listen is to help you have the discipline to execute a simple plan. That's it. If you have the discipline to execute, it's like it's like when I, when I had to lose weight and I was going to the gym, I didn't have to do any complicated workouts or fancy diets. I just had to make myself get up and go to the gym every day and make myself sweat, you know, like that's it. Do enough cardio that I'm out of breath, you know, being there for 45 minutes. Just by doing that consistently, it didn't even matter what I did. As long as I was doing something that made me tired, the weight came off. So so so, what I would say to you is that when you're talking about investing and getting those kids ready, those grandkids ready, and those nieces and nephews ready, or any kid that you care about, you don't have to be a child in order to be a parent, is I'm encouraging you to just understand, like, don't make it complicated. You know, it, it can be. Investing can be complicated, just like. Going to the gym can be complicated, right? Fitness can be very complicated, right? With different types of exercises, different kinds of weightlifting, different kinds of nutrients you put in your body. it can't. You can make it complicated, but if the complication is not interesting to you, just make it simple. Just, just remember a basic idea about fitness, which is that there's a big difference between exercising a little bit every day and not exercising at all, right? That little difference can make the difference between being in decent shape or being like 300 pounds right um so the same thing is true with wealth there is a massive difference between investing a little bit every week versus not investing at all people who don't invest at all are screwed i hate saying that to you if you're not investing yet i i don't want to make you feel bad so don't please let me know if it's okay if i say this i don't want to hurt your feelings i don't want to scare you but you don't understand in this country if you don't invest you are screwed cuz america is not friendly to investors it's just i mean for people who don't invest it's just not you know and so 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 don't let's not screw our kids <laughs> like let, let's not traffic our children to these corporations that that they need in order to secure a capital base let's secure it now let's get them ready now all right so let me move on and by the way, yeah, the, the URL, if you want to take, check out the prime program, it's drboyceprime.com. Or also if you want to get a training on um, how to make money without working. A lot of people, a lot of you like it. it's very popular. Text the word stock to 87948. Somebody type 87948 in the chat. Uh text the word stock, S-T-O-C-K to 87948, and I'll send all that to you. Uh, what are your thoughts on the spot? Bitcoin ETF? I think it's a, it, I think it's great. I think it's a game changer. It's going to Joni, It's going to pull institutional money into Bitcoin, into crypto. Uh, that's going to be a catalyst for upswings. Kathy Wood, who tends to be very optimistic. She I think she believes Bitcoin could be worth millions of dollars in the next few years. Um, I would say that I think her base case, though, of, of or her most pessimistic case, uh, is like six hundred thousand or something like that in the next few years. So I think an easy, easy money making play, if you have a child or something, or you want to do it for yourself, is just buy a little Bitcoin every, you know, every week, every month. You don't have to buy a whole coin. You know, a Bitcoin one whole Bitcoin costs forty something thousand dollars. You don't have to buy a whole coin. You can buy ten dollars worth, fifty dollars worth, hundred dollars worth. But I also will tell you that if you can bring it to, if you can get yourself to get in the habit of aggressive investing. Aggressive investing. Get in the habit of aggressive investing. I think that will go a long way, right? I, I, it's, it's interesting. Like we, we're aggressive when it comes to like paying the bills. Maybe we're aggressive when it comes to spending. But I, I want you to be an aggressive invest investor too, right? You know, I don't want you to be a person that will go and make it rain at the club and or spend a whole lot of money at the mall or go crazy at Christmas. But when it comes to investing, it's like, oh, well, I got $10. I could put $10 in it, right? It's almost like those parents at school. You ever see those parents that, like, will not pay $20 for their child to do an after-school program, but will literally go and spend $500 for football camp? You know, like like to get their son ready for football camp or cheerleading camp or whatever. They'll go spend hundreds of dollars because they're kind of trained to do that. They're ready to do that. But then if you say, well, we got this after school math program that's $20. I'm like, oh, I can't afford that. I can't afford that. A lot of the way we spend money is built on our desires. It's built on what we value. And so and, and all of us fall for this. All of us do. And a lot of us will have a lot of heat and a lot of energy for the things that we really want. You know, like just like um, like I always tell ladies, you know, if a man acts like he ain't got time to come see you or he's just too busy with work to come see you, that's a good sign that he may not really like you that much. Right. Because typically if a man really likes a woman, he's going to make time in his schedule. He's going to clear stuff off his desk. he He's going to cancel appointments to get to that girl's house. And, you know, but but if he's got all these excuses why he can't see you, you know, chances are, you know, maybe that's not the one for you right? So I think the same thing is true when it comes to what you want out of life. Uh, I think investing should be a top, top, top priority. It should not be something that you do after you finish taking care of all the other stuff. It should be something that you do first because you matter first. Your future matters more than the landlord. It matters more than the cell phone company. It matters more than the car dealer. It matters more than the mall. Right. Your future matters more than anything. Your family legacy matters more than those things. Your children definitely matter more than those things. We should be taking sacrifice flies like crazy for our kids. Like I'm talking about literally laying it on the line like like I'm going to go as hard as I can to make 100 percent sure, even if I'm not comfortable, I'm going to make sure you are good. And I think and I see that a lot. I see areas where we do that. I've seen parents sacrifice so their child can have a chance to go to the NFL. I've seen parents sacrifice so they can try to get their child a singing career or get them in Hollywood. I've seen parents sacrifice to get their kids into college. I've seen parents sacrifice to, uh, you know, get their kid ready to get a good job one day. So I would say that all that sacrifice that you put in those other areas, I I would appeal to you to consider making that same sacrifice to give your kid a capital base. Because once they have a capital, a person with a capital base... Moves through society different than a person who doesn't have a capital base. Basically, it's like um, it's like what they call "f you" money. "F you" money is where you have enough money where if anybody makes you mad, you can say "f you," I'm out, and you don't care because you got plenty of money, right? Uh, or when Kanye West had that song, you know, uh, "La la la la, wait till I get my money right." Remember that, right? It's like wait till I get my money right. Can not can't nobody tell me nothing? And, uh and I told you all about the hours on the phone I spent with Kanye and I didn't understand his position I didn't understand I don't there's a lot of stuff about Kanye I still don't understand but I spent hours I, we would talking for hours on the phone until 4, four 5 o'clock in the morning and because he was intrigued with what we were doing um and uh and and I looked at his finances in detail and when I saw how much money he was making and how much money he has, I kind of was like, yeah, I kind of understand why you don't care what anybody thinks, because he has—he's he, not a poor man, he's not broke, right? So, so I would say to you that uh, on a smaller scale, um, if you give your child a capital base, if you just you know figure out a plan, sacrifice again, BlackWealthMasterPlan.com—that's that uh, the URL is right above my head. Feel free to go there if you, that'll help you. Um, you give them that capital base, they're just going to move through the world a little bit differently than people who are uh, begging for jobs or worried about their financial security, uh, people that have the money thing out of the way are able to focus on these other things that are more important than money. People who don't have the money thing out of the way, they're they're obsessed with money until they have enough. You see, in fact, in financial consciousness training, we were going through Maslow's hierarchy of needs, where I was saying, if, if your lower level needs, if your low vibrational needs are not met, then you're not going to be able to operate on a higher frequency because you're still trying to solve the basics. You're trying to figure out how to just get enough money to buy a meal, right? If you're starving to death, you can't focus on, you know, poetry and, and, you know, fine art, and you know, or politics because you're thinking about trying to get some food. If you got to use the bathroom, I can't teach you science while you got to pee, right? Cause you're, all you're going to think about is, is peeing, right? So ultimately when you give them that capital base, you're you're operating, you're allowing them to operate on a higher level. You're giving them a, an element of their financial consciousness that will take them to a level where they can see things other people can't see. And that and vibrating on a higher level is like going from, say, two dimensions to three dimensions. Like I was describing this morning about how I felt when I was flying an airplane above. The traffic. When I got in the plane, I we took off and I, I pulled up and the, the, we took off in the sky and I was flying kind of kind of low uh, where I was able to see the traffic, but not so high, uh, not so low that, you know, like high enough where I was up in the clouds, but uh, but not so high that I couldn't see the traffic. And I remember noticing how my perspective just changed because I was able to elevate. Right. Uh, I saw all this traffic, this massive traffic jam, bumper to bumper where I was thinking wow to go from where I live to Gary would normally take an hour and a half to 2 hours in this traffic and we were getting there in 20 minutes and also I saw all these different pathways I could take I saw all these different parts of the landscape I had never noticed before because before all I saw was the freeway do you understand so when you are when you give your child the capital base when you give your grandchild the capital base your niece your nephew any child you care about you don't have to be a child in order to be a parent um you're giving them a type of freedom That just most people don't have. So that's what I would encourage you to consider. Uh, This to me can be your singular objective. I think that if you have that singular objective of building a capital base for your children, they will thank you forever. They will honor you 100 years after you're dead. Um, Let's see here. What about investing in ETFs? Um, I think ETFs are a great way to invest. If you go to blackwealthmasterplan.com with the five dollar a day plan, when you start implementing the five, ten dollar a day plan, The two ETFs that I like the most are uh, SPY, Sierra Papa Yankee, and VOO, Victor, Oscar, Oscar. But there's others out there. There's um, AIQ, which is an AI ETF, things like that. Uh, If you'd like to see the list of AI stocks that I like, don't forget, text the word STOCK to 87948, and I can uh, send you the list of AI stocks I like. Text STOCK to 87948. Preston Harris, is buying an ETF better than buying stocks? Yeah, the benefit of an ETF, Preston, is that you get instant diversification. Diversification is one of the most important rules of investing. Uh, let's see. Here. How do I buy stock in a trust for my child, uh, says Brenda. Um, well, with a trust, a trust is kind of like it's is an entity. So with when you open up, if you go to a trust attorney or a trust expert and you set up a trust, uh, they can help you figure out which type of trust to set up. And then what you can do is you can go to an investment company and buy stock with the uh, entities social security number so to speak. It's an EIN, but it's kind of like a social security number for this entity that you've created. The entity almost think of it like another person, a member of the family. So this trust has its own assets, its own everything is separate from you. And then that thing can grow and you as the trustee would then be able to control what happens to those assets. Uh let's see, is Charge point still a good buy as Natasha Charge point. Uh yeah, we haven't talked about charge point in a while. Charge point might be a good long-term buy. Um, I don't see it uh, I don't know if I see it as a short-term buy but let me let me take a look here CHP, CHPT, ChargePoint. charge point yeah I would if you're not in it I would stay away from it unless you want to mess around with a stock that could do well if it makes a comeback but the problem I'm seeing here with charge point is that they're just losing money uh it looks like they're losing a lot of money and they're laying people off uh they're trying to be, become more efficient uh let me see here yeah they're they're operating at a loss so if they don't get enough capital to allow them to keep operating at a loss, they could be in some big trouble. Um, the bull case for ChargePoint, it says here, is that ChargePoint provides investors leverage to ex- to the expected long-term growth in EV adoption. So if EVs are adopted at a high level, ChargePoint could end up benefiting from the EV adoption. The U.S. government is heavily backing Uh, the use of electric vehicles and building an electric vehicle grid around the country. So that is a possibility. They also said charge points capital light business model provides for potentially high returns on capital and limits risk to utilization levels. Okay. So basically it's saying that because they don't have a lot of, uh, they're not, they don't need a big capital base in order to operate. Uh, They don't have to have a bunch of assets and spend a bunch of money on equipment. Uh, They have a chance to become very profitable. They are the unquestioned leader in the AC, market um i'm going ac what's ac somebody tell me what ac i don't know what that is uh with over 50 share ac um what would ac be does anybody anybody tell me uh let me see here um yeah i don't know what the ac market is for evs that's kind of maybe somebody knows um, all right, so let's see. Charge points. Uh, now, here's what the bear case is. This is what the negatives, they, the negative Nancys have to say about charge point. You should listen to. Them <laughs> AC says air condition, <laughs> or maybe it stands for AC Salam. How about that? Um, let's see. Charge points business is expected to remain largely hardware oriented over time. Technology, technology advancements or public policy support for DC charging. Uh, oh, AC charging. Maybe it's AC charging because you know with electrical you have AC DC. So maybe this is it technological advancements or public policy support DC charging infrastructure may limit long-term demand for AC charging. So apparently there's like this AC DC issue, which actually that happened a lot in the beginning when you had the electric electricity wars with, with Tesla and, and, um, well, what was it? Um, Thomas Edison, Uh, we created general electric and all that. So there was like a conversation about whether or not they should use AC or DC or whatever. Um, ChargePoint's long-term success will hinge on its ability to uh, successfully penetrate the D.C. fleet European markets. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't buy ChargePoint unless you just bought it just to have some. Because remember, if the stock is $1.83 and there's like just a little bit of good news that comes out, that $1.83 could easily turn into $5 or something. But I would not lean on that as... Like, the, remember, there's a reason the stock price dropped this much, so it may not be uh, a safe long-term investment. Uh, Bay says, I've got multiple family members, including all my daughters, to invest $5 a day, as you taught, and it's been very eye-opening. After 20 years, approximately how much will they have accumulated if they don't do anything else? Ballpark is fine. Okay, so according to the $5 a day plan, and by the way, I think it's great that you're doing this for your kids. That makes you an amazing parent. Um, alternating current. Thank you, um, Mark. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, okay, so... Yeah, first off, you're you're great. Like you, you're just a great parent for doing this. Most of our parents are not doing this. My parents didn't do this for me, so that's the first thing. Um, the second thing I would say is that in terms of ballpark numbers, with a five dollar a day plan based on history, uh, after uh twenty years, it gets up to uh That's when you supposedly cross around the hundred thousand dollar mark, right? So if your kid has a hundred thousand dollars in the bank. At the age of 20, that makes you pretty much parent of the year, in my opinion, because most of the 20 year olds are struggling. Right. Um, you know, I I, I would I, I, and, and I would tell you that, you know, the other part of it that you really have to kind of think about is that you're really as Dr. Claude Anderson, he calls it child abuse when you're sending your kid out here in this competitive society where money drives everything and you're not preparing them, you're not giving them any resources. But you're saying here, I want you to go figure out how to make it work. That's he says that's child abuse. Oh, and by the way, you got to go over. You know this white man who's been oppressing us for the last four hundred years and been mistreating you, and and might do horrible things to you and your self esteem. Well, you need to go to him and please him and beg him for an opportunity. I think that's degrading, humiliating, and horrible, horrific. Um, now, so so here's the thing. So if you have Let's say you have five kids. If you could afford to do it, and you did the five dollar a day thing for all five kids, then you're talking about twenty five dollars a day. Which twenty five dollars a day times thirty days is about a little more than six hundred dollars a month. That's a lot of money. Uh, you know, maybe it's maybe it's more than some of us can afford. Uh, and I get that, right? Uh, so maybe the a way to also look at it like this is to think about something in economics we refer to as economies of scale. Economies of scale is where you know, maybe you don't have the maybe everybody doesn't have their own big pie. But if you have one big family pie, then we can still eat good because because we can we can share resources, right? That's why things like marriage and family are so powerful. And and in my book, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power, I talk about the black family as a multi-million dollar asset that we're throwing away on a regular basis because we don't spend time training each other on how to manage a family, how to build and structure the family properly. Uh we still think of reproduction as just you know, having a nice sexual experience and and you know with somebody who's attractive to us, right? When we don't realize that families, you know, families create empires. Uh, the biggest thing that the Rothschild family did to become economically powerful was that the original Rothschild who started the business focused extensively on his five sons. That's what he did, or four sons. I think it was four sons. I got to double check, but that's what he did. He poured into his sons and taught them everything he knew and prepared the family business. And the next thing you know, the Rothschilds are spread out all over Europe and controlling the global banking system because they were basically a group of people that had a mission. They had a vision. They operated on code. And so so I challenge you and I say, what is your mission? What is your vision? How are you operating on code? Like what what are you doing? Like challenge yourself. Like this is a consciousness exercise. People that operate on code, they have a consciousness. Like I'm I'm thinking about the code. I'm thinking about the the principles. I'm thinking about the things, the, the the rules I live by right? That's why Michael Jordan became the, the greatest basketball player ever was he didn't get distracted. He had a code. He had a, a set of principles. I want to be the best. I want to win championships. I'm going to practice longer than everybody else. I'm that guy who stays in the gym. That's That was his identity. So when, in Chicago, when half the players were using cocaine and the other half were chasing women and the rest of them were out and at the club, Jordan was in the gym, free throw, free throw, free throw, working on all these moves, right? So so ultimately, You know, I think that with with the kids, I think we're missing a multi-trillion dollar opportunity by not really drilling into the kids and understanding that family is an asset. Unless you waste it. It, It's no longer an asset if you throw it away or if you do it sloppy or whatever. And, And that consciousness links back to discipline. A conscious person is typically much more disciplined than an unconscious person, because an unconscious person, if they're unconscious enough, they operate like an animal. Animals don't have consciousness. Animals don't have a dog. If a dog sees an, a pretty dog, he's going to go have sex with that pretty dog and make babies. Why? Well, because sex feels good. If a dog sees food, he's going to eat the food, even if there's poison in it. Why? Well, because dogs instinctually, just uh, unconsciously, they want the food, they want the sex, they want they want to fight or whatever. Right. So, so when you're not sort of consciously embracing the idea of being financially conscious, you're making yourself vulnerable to all the ways this society is designed to control your subconscious mind they they start planning your subconscious experience before you're even born they do that and th- and then you see it you, and you see it all over in the black community in terms of some of the crazy things you see people do uh, with with their time with their families with their money with everything else because you've been programmed you, you're no different from the way um, they might look at a bunch of animals. Animals don't have consciousness. So if I've got a bunch of sheep, I'm the conscious one. I'm the one who decides where the flock of sheep are going to go, what the flock of sheep are going to eat, you know, how we're going to manage the the boundaries that the sheep within which the sheep can operate. And all the sheep does is respond to what I set up, the infrastructure I set up. So that, that consciousness, um, making a plan, you know, it, it's something that I think is really critical if you want to make sure you help your children to avoid, the agony and the the drama and the pain, the devastation, the humiliation of going into an economically competitive world with no capital base, no economics, no nothing. So that's what, so blackwealthmasterplan.com, blackwealthmasterplan.com. Feel free to go there if you want to take a look at the $5 a day plan, or if you text the word stock to 87948, I will send it to you. It's easy to implement. It takes a second. So if you have like, say five kids and you can't do $5 a day for each child, fine, do what you can. Just be consistent, pick a number, be consistent, grow the number if you get more money. Don't touch that money. Don't sell that stock. Don't sell that stock. That is not your asset. That is not yours. That is for them, right? You let that and you let it grow. You don't touch it. You don't pick at it. You don't pull it out when you need it. <clears throat> don't do that because if you let the short term, your short term gratification overwhelm your long term desire, you will always lose. If you let short term, gratification the the or short term problems overwhelm your long term vision you will not succeed uh, this is another aspect of consciousness conscious people can see long term short uh, unconscious people can not they only see what's in front of them just like when i was in the airplane when i was in the airplane i could see uh, 20 miles in, in, out right but if i'd been in the car all i can see is the bumper of the car in front of me a lot of people operate in the traffic jam. They they're they're driving, they see the bumper of the car in front of them. That's all they that Negro over there, this thing happened to me. The white man did this to me yesterday. That's all they see. Conscious people have elevated, just like I talked about when I was flying that airplane. When I elevated, I could see the whole picture. I could see all the cars. I could see 20 miles in front. All that. So you gotta rise. You gotta be able to see at a, at a conscious level where this thing is going economically. So when you're growing that money. Don't you touch that money. That's not yours. You let that money sit there and you let it grow and you let it automatically deposit. Let me tell you a story about how a lack of consciousness destroyed a marriage. I I learned about this when I was writing my book, Financial Lovemaking. Back when I was at Syracuse University, I interviewed a woman this is when I became very much aware of how um, a lack of financial responsibility can be very traumatic for women. A lot of women have a hard time trusting men who are financially irresponsible. Men should know this. So this, there was a, a mom who she didn't know anything about investing. She just, um, you know, she would put her spare change uh, in a bucket or whatever, and her extra money in this little—they had a little container—and they kept it under the bed. Her and her husband did. They would put, you know, five dollars here, ten dollars there, whatever. So she was saving this money up for her daughter's college. She didn't know how to invest, so she didn't own any stock. So the money wasn't growing, but she was doing her best. So what she did not know, unbeknownst to her, her her asshole of a husband was going behind her and taking money out of the bucket and spending the money on his lunch. He would you know when he needed lunch money, he'd say, oh, there's a bunch of twenties in here. Let me grab a 20 real quick. Let me grab a 10 real quick. Whatever. It, she won't notice. It won't make a difference. And so the wife was confused. She's like, I keep putting money in here. And 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 the money it's not growing. Like what's happening here? And then that's what one day her husband confesses that he's been taking the money out right behind her and putting and spending the money on lunch or whatever. Whenever he needed extra cash, he would just sort of reach in the bucket because, you know, it's no big deal. So she, and when she told me this story, I'll never forget how angry she was. She was so like, she was so done with him. She hated that man because she literally said, She said, you literally ate and shit out our children's future. You literally ate it and you shit out our daughter's college opportunity. You know, and, and she she was so angry at him. And this was an example where she had this long-term vision and this daily sacrifices for a long-term vision that she was committed to. And her partner was not. Her partner was thinking, oh, it's just $20. It's just $10 here, $10 there. So, so when it came time to go to college, the daughter had to go into debt with student loans because her father was shitting out her future the entire time. So I would say to you, for those who are smart, those who want to be better, who want to do better, who want to break generational curses, let's not shit out our opportunities. Let's not throw them away. Let's not let the short-term overwhelm the long-term. What is the long-term vision? What is the code of conduct? What is the goal here? What are we really trying to do with this thing? Because I can tell you, if you do that, and you even do it on a basic level, it doesn't require hard work, by the way. It doesn't. It just requires discipline. If you do it on a basic level, then what happens is that, your child hits the age of twenty, or your kids. You you got you know three kids. Um, you've you've raised them on a model of where you you your number one goal is to help them have a capital base. But then also you do what we call in the in our Black Business School for children we have what we call the KID model. KID stands for Knowledge Investment and Discipline. So in addition to the investment, you've given them a capital base. So they got you know maybe a quarter million dollars or whatever. They're twenty years old. They got a quarter million to work with but you've also given them knowledge and discipline. So the knowledge is important because now they know what to do with the money. They know not to go take the money and buy Gucci bags and give it to the boyfriend or whatever. And they also know that if they put that money in real estate, it's gonna grow. If they put it in stocks, it's gonna grow. If they put it into the family business, it's gonna grow, right? They understand, they know how to start the family business because you introduce them to entrepreneurship before the age of 12. There's no telling what these kids can create. They literally are able to operate on a higher vibrational frequency. This is where the financial consciousness training comes into play. And by the way, we do financial consciousness training every single day. If you want to see all the trainings we've done, we've done 15 lectures so far. We're going to do 30 this month. You can go to drboyceelevate.com. drboycelevate.com. What you've done when you give your child a capital base is you've taken them out of the game of struggle and allowed them to play the game of power You've taken away the little stuff so they can focus on the big stuff. Like T.I. has that rap song I really like called called Big Shit Popping, Little Shit Stopping. Right. So you've helped them move past the little shit so they can get to the big shit. They can focus on the long term vision. Like what's it going to take to build this business? Uh, what happens with this stock in five years? Uh, what What's this apartment building going to be worth in, in ten, you know, 10 years from now? What's the cap rate on this? instead of doing what their friends will be doing at 2022 20, 23 24 25 26 years old is figuring out how am I gonna get a job how am I gonna pay the bills it's so hard out here to pay the rent because inflation y'all it's inflation and it, it ain't racist y'all uh, how am I, how am I gonna how am I gonna find a way to I can't buy no house houses are too expensive it, 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 just, that, that's what that's what we see that's what we tend to see with most people in their 20s. They, def- you know, most black people who graduate, they default on their student loans because they can't pay them. They have a job that they hate because they're being mistreated. They're not getting paid enough money. They're struggling. Instead, your child is saying, "Well, I've got a quarter million dollars in my in 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 our account. So this month we need to raise an extra ten fifteen thousand dollars. So let's sell some stock options on our Microsoft stock or our Tesla stock so we can generate that ten or fifteen thousand dollars in income." And that that's like that's a straightforward. I showed you all earlier. That's a straightforward, simple thing to do. But you have to have the K to do that. The K stands for knowledge. This is why financial knowledge is the most important thing that a black child can learn. It's more important than anything they'll ever learn at football camp, basketball camp, baseball camp, cheerleading camp. All that, all those things matter. But 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 one area where money gets wasted is that we will go balls to the wall to get our son into football camp. But we'll act like we can't afford to give him financial literacy training, and that's a, an epic mistake. Because your child, ninety-nine point nine percent of your kids are never going to make a nickel playing football. Your son is not going to be the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, but he is going to be a thirty-five-year-old black man trying to figure out how to pay some bills. So, so, so ultimately, this, this, this is this is the game. This is the plan. The one thing that the child needs to be free in this country is a capital base. That's the one thing. It's not a job. It's not an education. It's not. It's it's a capital base. And then you build the education on top of the capital base, because a person with a capital base needs a different kind of education from a person who has no capital base. A person who has no capital base needs an education on things like filling out a job, how to fill out a job application, how to do a job interview, how to make your boss happy so that he'll keep paying you. That's what that's the education that we get when we have no capital base. A person with a capital base gets a different education. Uh, How do I acquire real estate? Um, How do I figure out uh, which stocks to buy? How do I uh, how do I sell stock options on my stock to generate an extra twenty thousand dollars this month? Uh, How do I um, how do I how do I start this business with my friends and, and, and make sure that we're delegating the responsibility properly and that we're also setting up the right systems and technology to allow this company to grow? You know, that that was the thing. uh, Ironically, as much as y'all hate you, we're we're trained to kind of just just not listen to people because, you know, because we don't agree with them politically. But if you really want to understand what I'm talking about, go study the history of Donald Trump. Just Seriously, this guy is not you know, you may not like him. I don't care if you like him or not. But if you look at his life, part of the reason this man has had a jumbo jet for the last 40 years and he was buying a a 400 million dollar building at the age of 28 is because his father gave him a capital base. His father uh, in 1913 or something, oh, his father was born in 1913. In the middle of the Great Depression, his father used to fix, his father Fred used to fix houses for rich people. And he made the transition. He said, instead of fixing houses for rich people so they can get rich, I'm going, I want to own the houses so I can get rich. So he started becoming a real estate investor instead of just a, a carpenter. And as a result of this, uh, by the time Donald was born in 1946, his father was already doing well. And then by, by the time his Donald was ready to go out into the world in the 1970s, his father said, OK, son, here's a $25 million capital base. Go, go, go conquer the world. Go do, Go do your thing. So instead of struggling to get jobs and pay student loans in his 20s, Donald Trump goes and buys a $400 million hotel in the city of New York. He could not have gone out to buy a $400 million hotel if he was still playing struggle-nomics. If he was still operating on that lower vibrational frequency financially, the struggle-nomic frequency, there's no way. You can't even dream of something. You can't even stay in a $400 million hotel, let alone buy one. But because his father got rid of the little stuff, right? His father built him the capital base, Donald was able to do these really cool, epic things at a a very early age. So, so build your child a capital base. Now, it may not be 25 million. That's okay. It may be just a quarter million, or it may just be a hundred thousand. Think about how differently processes. Let's do a quick financial meditation real quick. I want you all to think of, imagine this really quick. Imagine when you were 25, and imagine how differently your life would have been if you were 25 with say $150,000 liquid in, in the bank, $150,000 liquid dollars. Like, let's say it was a bunch of stock you could sell if you had a financial problem or, you know, whatever, right? Think about how differently your life would have gone. Think about bad choices you had to make. I remember doing, you know, really struggling and stressing, trying to like pay the rent, you know, trying to just get my car fixed. I remember those struggles, right? And, and if somebody had taken that away from me, there are so many other things I could have done with my life that didn't involve giving up precious hours of my day to go and try to get a bill paid. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? So to some extent, not being financially prepared, not having a capital base, it dehumanizes you. It dehumanizes you. and makes you the victim. It makes you the, um, the tool. It makes you the commodity for people that actually control capital, which takes us right back to slavery. That's what you were. That's how you arrived in America is, you you were not owners of a capital base. You were the capital base. So part of financial consciousness involves us getting rid of the slave training and learning how to be actual owners and controllers of capital. I'm not saying become slaveholders. I don't want to control anybody else. But I will tell you that a a, a 25, 30-year-old that has enough money in the bank to do what they want, operates and navigates the world very differently from somebody who is struggling for their next opportunity and can barely pay the rent. Same thing is true with young ladies. you got a daughter. Why would you want your daughter out here struggling to get a bill paid, you know, trying to figure out if she should start an OnlyFans account because all the guys think she's cute or <clears throat> figuring out if she should sleep with the broke man or the rich man because she needs the rich man's money. Nobody wants their child in this situation. And, and I would tell you this, just as a, as a man, we should be ashamed if our daughters are in that situation that like that. That's just, but that's just my bias. So anyway, <clears throat> I'm going to stop talking so I can go over here and choke in peace. Um, I hope this conversation was helpful. Uh, we'll do this again next Tuesday. Again, if you text the word stock to eight, seven, nine, four, eight, I can send you the $5 a day plan directly. Let me drink some water real quick. Sorry. And also my website is voicewalkins.com. or you can also go to blackwealthmasterplan.com if you want to see the the $5 a day plan. I have no idea where my voice went. I'm so sorry. Maybe it's maybe it's God's way of telling me to stop talking so much. So um, I hope you guys have a great day. God bless you. And uh, build that capital base for that kid. Build that capital base. Build that capital base. When I say build a capital base, I want y'all to know what that means. Because I'm going to tell you. Most Americans don't even know what that means. They don't even know what it means to build a capital base. So by simply understanding even that basic terminology, you'll be ahead of 90 plus percent of all people. Right. You know, so do that for your kids. That's how you show love. I want to make sure you're good. I want to make sure you survive. I want to make sure you thrive. I don't want to I don't want to see you in the struggle. I don't want to see you in the mud. You know, I don't want to see you feeling anxiety and depression and sadness and hopelessness because I didn't make a plan for you. That's our job as parents. That's our job as the grandparents, the uncles, the the whatever it is. Do that now and and, and prepare for the future. That's how you succeed. Okay, all right. So I'm out of here, guys. Uh, have a good day. And um, if you want to join financial consciousness training, we do that every morning at 10 a.m. You can go to uh, drboyceelevate.com. That's drboyceelevate.com. And everything we've done to this point has already been recorded. So you can go back and look at all of that. And also, if it's like buy one, get five free. So if you sign up yourself, you can bring your children, you can bring your family. And I guarantee that when you're done with the, the, the 30 days of training, your economic consciousness, your economic awareness will be up here. It'll be on 10. Uh, this is what my PhD is in. This is what I'm obsessed about. This is what we're good at. You know, in the black business school, we are black wealth surgeons. So the things that other people aren't going to solve or figure out for 50 years, we've solved it five years ago. We just have to implement the message and implement the plan. All right. So have a good day, everybody. I'll see you soon. Take care now. And sorry about all the choking. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye.